Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. If you would open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, as we are uh, in the next few weeks, we'll be ending out the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be in chapter 7. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 11, and the verse says, pray like you mean it. You say, well, preacher, I do pray like I mean it. I'm not doubting that. But let's hear some of the treasures that Jesus has for us this morning. If you brought your Bibles, let's read that together. It says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Dear Heavenly Father, may you honor the reading of your word. And as we spend a few moments together today, Lord... May you speak to us. May your spirit reach our hearts. And may, Lord, you teach us and encourage. Maybe there's somebody here today that just needs a little pep in their step or an answer or, or whatever it may be, Lord. I know that your spirit can do that. And we'll give you the honor, the glory, and the credit. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Here's a deep question. How do you know your prayers are working? Have you ever thought about that? How do you know they're working? Because when you pray, God has one of three answers. Yes, no, or wait. And that's the frustrating one, isn't it? Sometimes no is frustrating, but nowhere near as frustrating as wait. Most people would say, you know God is answering prayers when you see them making a difference. But what do you do when God is not answering your prayer? What do you do when you feel like, hence the word feel, you feel like, that God is not even hearing your prayers. Jesus gives you and I some great lessons today, not only how to improve our prayer life, but to encourage you today in your walk with Him. You need to be encouraged today because this world seeks to discourage you. Many of you have come here today, and again, like I say every Sunday, you look good. Y'all look great today. You got on your... Your church clothes or whatever clothes you got and you've combed your hair, most of you, and hopefully you brush your teeth uh, and all that kind of good stuff. And so, hey, you're looking good. But beneath that veneer, beneath that, these clothes, we all are messed up, jacked up and have issues. So it is my prayer that you are encouraged today, not by my words, but by the word of God. So what we need to see in in a message called Pray Like You Mean It, I have no doubt that when we pray, we mean it in that moment. But we need prayers that persevere. Prayers that do the work and the heavy lifting for us so our anxiety and our worries don't have to do that. One day, there was an evangelist named George Mueller back in the 1800s, and he ran an orphanage in Bristol, England, And he began praying for five of his friends. After many months, one of them came to the Lord. And then ten years later, two others were converted. So it took 25 years 
before the fourth man was saved because he's been praying. Imagine that, praying for the salvation for 25 years of his friends. Some of you have been praying that long for a loved one or a friend. Mueller preserved in prayer until his death for the fifth friend. Throughout those 52 years, he never gave up hoping he would accept Christ and his faith was rewarded for soon after Mueller's funeral, the last one was saved. I try to teach people and I hear a lot of times when I'm talking to people and they are in their last moments on this earth. They will say, well, preacher, please pray for this family member. Please pray for this situation. And I tell them every time, and I'll tell you now, that's the thing about prayer. When you go to your refrigerator and you look at something, whether you're going to consume it or not, you look at the expiration date, hopefully, right? Because if it's out of date, it's not, it's not going to be in my, in my belly, right? The good thing is prayers have no expiration date. The prayers that you pray supersede going into the ground. And they keep going. Some of you are here today because of the prayers of a loved one that they kept praying for you. They passed away, but the prayers kept working. You must energize your prayer life. Because when you energize your prayer life, you energize your Christian walk to be more than just your prayer life and your Christian walk needs to be more than just a reaction to what's happening to you. Every, anybody in a foxhole or anybody with their ox in the ditch can pray, Lord, please be with this person because they are sick. Please be with this financial decision. Please be with this career move. God, I need you right now. But then when those things get good, it's like, I'll see you later, God, until you need them again. You must allow prayer. You must allow it to fuel your perseverance because there are days, maybe even today, where you don't feel like persevering. I have those days where I just want to dig a hole, crawl in it, and fill it up. Some days we have to persevere, and a prayer life can get you to that. Because you must let your prayer life guide you into knowing God and finding the will of God. Within the context of this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is preaching, Jesus encourages those who hear this message to take heart to what he is saying. All these things that we started in Matthew 5, these, these principles, he's, he's getting them to take them to heart. He knows it will be tough, but you and I must persist because we must pray like we mean it and trust that God has our best interest in mind. Do you ever have a problem with that? I've had problems with that before, where you trust God, you love God, but you just don't quite know if he's got your best interest at heart. Scripture says he does. Jesus says he does. And the Holy Spirit says he does. So the first thing that we see in our passage in verses 7 and 8 is that when we pray, we need to pray like we expect it to happen. We don't need to be like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Well, I guess God will do that. I don't know. God, you're holy, but if it happens, great. But I don't really expect it. What kind of prayer is that? We need to pray like we expect it to happen. 
Over the last six decades, did you know that when digging for oil in 1949, the earliest year that we have data available, the average depth of an oil well that it had to drill was 3,635 feet. That's a lot of digging, drilling. By 2008, the most recent data available says that we were drilling an average of 5,964 feet, which is over one mile, folks. To get oil deposits, we'd have to drill down over a mile. And then in 2007, there was a slight uh, decrease. But can you imagine all that time and all that struggle to reach oil? There must have been those that thought at 3,636 feet that they were wasting their time let alone to dig another 2,000 feet. Some of you might be like that digging for oil. You might be one mile away from what God has for you. You might be just at that moment where you're ready to hit pay dirt and know that you're going to get God's blessing upon your life. But that's the thing about prayer. Sometimes prayer is a comforting pillow, is it not? You pray and you feel the comfort of God wash over you. Sometimes our prayers are a safe refuge. God, I run to you. You are my refuge. You are my rock. You are my strength. Sometimes God's praise, our prayers are the healing hand of God. Oh God, please save so and so from this quiver in their liver and all of these things like that. I'm not making light of those things. I'm just saying that we have no problem praying to God for those things, for comfort, for strength, for refuge, for healing. But sometimes prayers are quite honestly like drilling through rock. Hard, exhausting, seemingly fruitless. And it's those things that constantly nag us and tell us to stop and to give up and to think that God doesn't care. At that moment, that is the devil. You need to tell him to go to hell where he belongs. And you believe in the persistent prayers that Jesus is teaching today. We have to persevere. Jesus has laid down the gauntlet of lessons beginning in chapter 5 of Matthew. He instructs us for things like having correct attitudes, to live differently from the world, to lean on Him for grace, to keep our affections for the people in the right place, and to love others as ourselves. That does not come natural to us, folks. We have a default of sin and messing up. And quite honestly, at times it can be overbearing, but fortunately, our ultimate coach, Jesus Christ, has got one of the best halftime speeches that we'll be studying today. I know when you watch a basketball game, a football game, especially when you were, you know, we were watching the championship game, those of you that cared about it, and, and you're watching this game and you're thinking, I wonder what the coach is going to say to him at halftime. He's going to get them. He's going to get those boys riled up and they're going to come back and whoop somebody. Folks, there are times to where we play the first two quarters of life and we pray and we're beat and we're downtrodden and we're weak and we're doubtful. And listen to what Jesus says to you and I today. Again, verse 7 and 8. 
Keep on asking and you will receive for what you ask. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open. A lot of times when we read this passage, we focus on the ask the seek, and the knock. But for this morning, I want you to know that the emphasis is keep on, keep on, and keep on. You must persist in your pursuit of God. There's a blog writer named Joseph Wilner. He has a blog called You Have a Calling. And he writes about six reasons why people give up. Number one, There is no ownership. Goals, they're goals that you don't care about. Your motive is taken hostage by your feeling of obligation. You know, working for a paycheck just because you need the paycheck and you can't stand your job. Maybe buying into Jesus' teaching requires you too much to own it. Maybe it's better just to come sit in a pew to soak it up and sour rather than to actually take action on what he is saying. The second thing is that you're not willing to put the time in. It's not that we need more time. All of us have the same 24 hours in a day. But we need to use that time effectively. You must say yes to the things that are important, even over the things that keep you busy. Because Satan's greatest trap, if he can't get you through temptation, he will make you busy. I see it all the time, and I feel this, this pressure. Sometimes. I just don't have enough time in the day to do all the things I need to do. Why am I always backed up? Why am I procrastinating? Why do I have this load that I have to deal with on this week, this weekend? Because the front of the week was so loaded up with stuff. Folks, we decide what we spend our time on. Now, there are some things that we just have to do because we have to do. But ultimately, at the end of the day, who dictates what you do with your time every day? You do. Your time clock, your calendar dictates your priorities. And thank God your priorities today are to sit and hear me preach for a few minutes about God's Word. And hopefully God is working in that. Maybe some people are not willing to do the hard work. There are a lot of people that will go to church for what they can offer. Give me some of that. Give me some of that. Kind of like the older people when they like to go to those uh, buffets. And y'all remember the old, did they have uh, Piccadilly here? Or K&W or, you know, with the nice sweet ladies with the hair nets in the back. And What you want, honey? It's all fresh. And you say, oh, I want some of this. I want some of this. I want some of this. And so many people have gotten to that where they, that's, we, this is what we want. We're going to pick and choose to get a little bit of this rather than, hey, if I go somewhere, I might have to put my foot in. I might have to do something to take ownership, to do some work, to prioritize, to help this boat rise. Sometimes it's distractions and sometimes it's an insufficient reward. Sometimes it's just an unwillingness to let go of old habits. Preacher, we ain't never done it that way before and I don't see us changing. I've heard that, you've heard that, we've all heard that in every church. We don't like change. How many of y'all like change? No, nobody likes change. We like to have 
things like we want, the way we want it. But sometimes getting started isn't the hardest part. The hard part is sticking with a new habit or lifestyle. Here's the thing. Why do we like to have a normal routine? Because when we have a normal routine, we think we have some kind of control over it. Oh, Monday is what I do this. Tuesday is what I do that. Thir- Wednesday, thir- and, and you got all that. And as I said earlier, I think in the week to somebody, I said, look, we, we get to where we just, pr- oh, Lord, just give me my normal routine back. But here's the thing. With an unwillingness to let go of old habits, you're going to see this happen. Without change, there is no growth. Without change, there is no growth. Every moment, every second that I'm talking, and I'm trying to hurry it up because I'm seeing that look. Oh, preacher, wrap it up. That pot roast is waiting on me, preacher. I don't want to get beat by the Methodists in that line. But understand this, folks. If we are not growing, we're dead. The minute you stop growing is when your last heartbeat flows through your body. Without change, there is no growth. And the hardest part is when it comes to praying with perseverance is that sometimes if you place yourself in Jesus' hands, He's going to want to change you. And when that happens, oh no, we pull back. I don't want this change, mess. As humans, if we're not growing, we're dead. We, if we want to change, sometimes it's going to take a lot of work on the front end. I love watching rockets lift off. I, I think I'm going to apply for the new Space Force. Anybody want to join me? Have you all seen that? I'll tell you what, it's going to be Star Wars all over again. But I, I, I love watching those rockets lift off, and, and I love the fact that, you know, you see... And you see all this fire and they're just they're going up in the air and then all of a sudden this booster tank that was filled with fuel unhatch, un- unlatches and then this one unlatches and then they're on. Why do they have those huge fuel tanks on both sides and then eject them when they get into space? Because most of the fuel, most of the energy is for the momentum to get the rocket moving. If you want to persevere in your faith, if you want to get your faith moving, it's going to take more effort than what you're willing to put into it right now. But without change, there is no growth. It's your decision. So you have to ask yourself, is the emphasis that I put on my prayer life and in my spiritual walk, is it worth the benefit of seeing me get to greater heights? I'm going to have to keep asking I'm going to have to keep seeking. I'm going to have to keep knocking. Folks, when we pray, we need to pray like we mean it. We need to pray with determination because like sharks, some sharks must swim constantly in order to keep oxygen-rich water flowing over their gills. Folks, we cannot stop. Jesus gives us a progression in this passage to keep praying and pursuing him. When we ask, what are we doing? We are simply making a request. Just like when I was a little kid and my mom said, no, James, we were at the beach. You cannot have a cookie. Okay, mom. So I went around to where my grandparents were staying and said, knocked on the door, grandma, I got to have a cookie. So what did grandma do? She gave me a cookie. Because that's what grandmas do. I had to ask. But then after we ask, many stop there. 
Many think if I could just get the preacher to pray for me, I don't need to do anything. If I could get it on a prayer list, I'm good. Folks, when you put your name or your request on the prayer list, it is not for us to do the lifting, but it's for us to do the praying with you. When we have prayer meeting for the same five or six people every other Monday night, it should be filled with people. But it's not. And I, look, I'm not stepping on toes. It's just the truth. I'm sure people are too busy to pray with other Christians. We shouldn't be. But if we want to change this church, if you want to change your life, it's going to take more effort than you're putting into it right now. When we seek, we need to truly pursue God to answer our prayers according to His Word. Many skip this process because they want God to answer their request according to their wants, whether it is for their good or not. We need to remember this. We are not to pray in our will, but God's will. We are not to pray in our will, but God's will. We are not to pray in the things that we want, but we are to pray in the things that He wants for us. The Bible passage says, if you pray in my name, I will give you everything you ask. There's the caveat. Everything that is according to His Word. If you pray for God to bless you in a sinful relationship, He's not going to bless that. If you pray for God to bless you in a sinful habit, He's not going to bless that. He blesses what His Word lays out. And then we see where He says, Knock, folks, when you pray, you've got to be determined to take action and to keep pursuing God until you get an answer. God answers the persistent prayers of His people. Then we see, Pray with anticipation of God's answers. When you pray, not only expect an answer, anticipate it. It's coming. It's coming. He says in verse 9, You parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give? Give good gifts to those who ask. Let me let you in on a little secret. God loves you and wants the best for you. God loves you. If you haven't heard it today, this is not just, all right, preacher, every, every preacher says that. But feel the weight of this. God loves you with all your warts, with all your, your issues and all the, everything that, that you've got, you brought in here with you today. God loves you and he wants to answer you. And he wants what's best for you. Jesus is painting the picture here that God is dependable. It's hard for you and I to understand, but God does not answer prayers in an angry, stingy, or ungrateful fashion. He's, he doesn't say, okay, I'll answer it. This will keep her quiet. This will keep him quiet. I'm tired of hearing about that same old prayer request. I'm just going to answer it. That's not what God does. Because He loves us. And just as a parent would not intentionally harm their child, God will not harm you either. Everything is for His good. I was so mixed up at one point, thinking that God got joy out of putting me under His thumb and watching me squirm. That was not God. But when we're in that situation, we have to hold on. And we have to persevere because God loves us. 
and he is dependable. And God wants to answer your prayers in the best way possible. Just as a parent answers the request of a child, it might not be what that child wants, but it's what that child needs because that parent loves that child. And here's the thing about God. God knows what you need before you even ask him. And he knows whether it'll be good for you or not. So you and I pray to a God that knows us better than we even know ourselves. Understand, God will never let you go. We have all heard sayings like, hey, bro, I got your back. Or if you need anything, call me and I'll be there. When have we ever done that when somebody says it's a nice thing to say? Say it. I mean, I'm not saying don't say that. But when somebody says that, it's like, you know, I appreciate it, but I'm probably not going to call you. Sometimes we just have to do for people. But these things of, hey, I'm going to be there. Hey. I got your back. Hey, I'll always be there for you. But unfortunately, as you have seen and I have seen, that's not always true. Some of you, and myself included, have been hurt worst by those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. This is not right. And we must remember, if we have that baggage, if the scars I have in my back were from people that claim to be Christ, i got to remember that that was not Jesus that put it there, but it was somebody that was misguided. You can't depend on people all the time. I'm sorry, and I'm going to be honest, I may let you down. You can't depend on me all the time, but you can depend on Jesus. Jesus is using an argument technique that compares the lesser extent To the greater extent. And he says, look, if you sinful people can do good, surely God's going to do a lot better than that. Don't take offense to that, okay? Well, he's calling me sinful. I take good care of my kids. I'm a good person. Yeah, you are, but you're sinful. Romans 3.23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice the children that had asked for a poisonous snake. Would the wise father have granted that request? You see, sometimes, here's the thing. Sometimes you're praying for snakes and you don't know it. Sometimes you're praying for snakes and you don't know it, but God does. Don't let your sinful habits, your wayward hearts, or your hurt from the past blind you to the pursuit of God because they are not worth what you are missing out on. And finally, when you pray, pray with perseverance when you pray pray with perseverance if you have allowed your faith to be questioned if you have allowed your past hurt to blind you from the goodness of God if you have grown weary in waiting for that answer that is yet to come from that prayer that plagues you then my friend it's time to lay it down today And lay it at the altar. It's time today to confess your doubts. To confess your sin and confess your worry and anxiety. And leave it here with him today. Because his heart is big enough for it. He wants you to pursue him today. Above all else. I mean some of you that are fathers, grandfathers. Or or you've got children in your life somehow. and, And whether they be friends of the family or whatever. And just imagine this little kid, they got their little toy truck is broke. The wheel fell off of it or the little wagon fell off. And they say, Daddy, fix this. 
Uncle Bo, fix this. Or whatever you're called. And what, what do you do? You said, I'll be glad to fix that. So you reach down and you grab it and you put it on your workbench. And before you know it, that little child comes and grabs that and takes it away because they don't want to be without it that long. And it's not fixed. My friends, if you want Jesus to fix what is broken, you've got to leave it in his hands. Ask. Seek. And knock. Be persistent. Be expectant. Be hopeful. And be ready. Because you may be one drilling mile away from what God has for you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can worship today. And, Lord, thank you for you encouraging us to know that, Lord, you have laid down a lot of big concepts for us to live up to. But we don't have to do it alone. It is through your strength and your presence that we can be expected, that we can pursue and we can pray like we mean it. If there is someone here today that just needs a recharge, Lord, a recommitment, a, a reassurance, Lord, that you're with them, and they'd like to pray with me or come down front and, and have the church pray with them, then may they do that. Lord, it's, it's not a time to embarrass somebody by calling them in front of people. This is a, we are a church family. And when a family member is hurt, we need to rally around them. No judgment. Just love. Maybe there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Savior and Lord. And they say today is the day they want to know that they have a relationship with you. They want to know that their prayers will be answered. And maybe that by them coming to know you today, Jesus, a prayer of somebody that has gone before them is answered. Maybe someone may want to join this church or just come to the altar and pray or pray where they are. Whatever this decision time ends up being, Lord, you get the glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?